0: This is, Stuff I Buy and Use, published by Aaron Bergman on August 1, 2022. Thanks to Martin Glusker for his detailed, very helpful thoughts and feedback. But also he's to blame for this post taking so long to appear. Intro This post is my attempted contribution to the blogosphere's things I recommend you buy and use microgenre. To give due credit to my intellectual forefathers, Sam Bowman's archetypal founding text, published in 2017, has since catalyzed iterations by Rob Wiblin, Michelle Hutchinson, Megan McArdle, Arden Kohler, Arden again, Julia Wise, James Ong, Rosie Campbell, Michelle Hutchinson, David Megans Nicholas, Ben Schiefman, Yuri Akopoff, Yuri again, Sam himself again, and surely many others too in the five years since. Edit, somehow missed Gavin Leach, Scott Alexander, Scott again, Mark Shu, Alexei Guzzi, Jose Rikon, Phil Story, this LW thread, and another LW thread. Thanks to Gavin for the tip. Those articles are generally cogent, succinct, easy to read, and well-organized. This one is not. While writing, some of my recommendations metastasized into needlessly elaborate product reviews or gratuitously heterodox hot takes. It's also a bit heavier on the dietary supplements than is typical. So, without further ado, sit back and enjoy this hypertrophied smorgasbord of product recommendations. Part 1, Non-Consumables. 2021 MacBook Pro an accidental mini review. 14-inch model starts at $1,999. 16-inch model, which I have, starts at $2,499. Good condition used versions go for $100-$500 below retail on eBay, Craigslist, and Facebook Marketplace. After experiencing some buyer's remorse with the smaller 14-inch screen, I up-selling this laptop and buying a used 16-inch version, each for $500 below retail. You can also spend up to $1 USD $6,599 for all the bells and whistles. 14 inches and 16 inch models. I know, an expensive device purchased by around 0.3% of all humans on earth in 2021 isn't really what the stuff you should buy microgenre is all about. Well that's too bad, because I really like this computer and three of its features in particular. 1. Bright screen. This is the feature I care about and appreciate most apparently some people are perfectly satisfied with dimmer screens. If that were me, I probably wouldn't have gotten this computer. All 2021 MacBook Pros reach 500 nits, brightness slash surface area, for everything, and 1000 or more for some content. For reference. Older Mac laptops max out at 400 nits, brightness slash surface area, and I regularly wished my 2017 Air would get brighter. Most inexpensive, and some pricier, monitors reach 250. Most name brand but less expensive models do even worse, like this HP at 220. New Dell laptops, for example this one for $1,449, can reach 500, but at this point you're not saving a huge amount of money compared to Apple. Honestly, I'm not sure why Apple doesn't make a bigger deal out of this, it's arguably the only feature that matters every second you're using the device, and the new line of MacBooks are significantly brighter than almost every other make and model. To self plagiarize some tweets from a few months back, and tilde 95% of the time I keep the screen on full blast, churning electrons into a delightfully vociferous stream of electrons. 2. A Luxurious Amount of Storage For an additional $2,400, you can get a Pro with 8TB of storage, enough to contain God himself hold many large files and applications.2 but you can probably save your money for the other items on this list, because the base 512GB capacity is really quite a lot. For reference, this was my storage summary after importing every file accumulated throughout high school and college and adding a bunch more. 3. Good battery life. In short, it's nice to be, be able to carry the thing around more or less all day without worrying about finding a charger or outlet or reducing the screen brightness by a single nit. These are the numbers claimed by Apple. Screenshot taken here. But they state plainly in a footnote that these figures were determined using pretty low screen brightness. I can count on the 14-inch model for 5 hours of complete use, full brightness, using a bunch of apps, streaming music, at a bare minimum, and probably more like 7 or 8. This is almost always enough, I did run out of battery once, coming back from EG London, because Iceland Air lied to me about their planes having in-seat power outlets.3. Bose Comfort 45 headphones. $329, but as of publication it's on sale on Amazon for $279. Wasn't $329 a few months ago. Inflation is a bitch annoying. I regret to report that these headphones are indeed better than their more affordable counterparts, just as the Bose sales team would have you believe. The difference isn't crazy maybe 20% better sound quality, 25% better looking, 35% better noise cancelling, and 40% more comfortable than the handful of other models I've tried, like these, but that makes them worthwhile if you're using them 4 or 6 hours a day. The thing I'd emphasize is that, For me at least, comfort is more important and more neglected, not sure about tractability though, than sound quality or noise cancelling ability. As I gestured to above, more affordable alternatives are still pretty good at playing music and keeping out sound but are, by comparison, a bit more annoying to wear for long periods of time. Kinda like the MacBook's battery life, though, these don't hit the never think about it threshold for comfort. Upon introspection, I still notice the tactile sensation of wearing them way more than for any article of clothing. If you know of headphones even comfier than these, please let me know. Corn bulbs. Tilde 18 dollars bulb. Most regular light bulbs run 600 to 1200 lumens, lm, in brightness. Some reach 1500 lm, and a couple hit 2600. These corn bulbs manage 5500 lm, and without using an abnormal amount of electricity or generating a noticeable amount of heat. In fact, they kinda hurt to look at without a lampshade, so don't do that. Melania Trump and Donald Trump. Real photo of me looking at an uncovered, illuminated corn bulb. The one problem is that they're too big to fit in some lamps, though they screw into any old normal socket. You'll see these mentioned in some How to Deal with Sad, Seasonal Affective Disorder blog posts, but you 100% do not need to have Sad to prefer bright lighting. If this seems relevant to you, check out posts like these. Adjustable Height Desk. I bought this one for $75 from some guy on Craigslist but there are plenty on Amazon for around $200. Beckett desk, linoleum blue slash white, 63 by 31 half. This is probably just a weird idiosyncrasy, but I find it annoying as hell when my chair's armrests are too high to slide under the desk at which I'm working, which lets me sit really close to the desk's edge. And most desks are way too short for this, which I'm guessing is a vestigial feature of the days when people wrote things by hand instead of typing. Anyway, highly recommended. Bendy clip-on lamp. $15. Why not just a normal lamp? Adjustable color, as shown in the picture above, is really nice for nighttime use. Adjustable light intensity is also nice for night use. Bendiness lets you direct the light at your face for video calls, at something in particular, or just off into the distance. Clippiness will save you desk space. Plugs into a USB outlet, so you can power it straight from a laptop. It's small, light, and portable enough to take on vacation or to the campus library if you're as insensitive as me to social norms, don't worry, only in a private study room. To steal my look, combine two of these, 2x500 lm, a normal overhead light, tilde 1000 lm, two corn bulb lamps, 2x5500 lm, one additional normal lamp, tilde 700 lm for a grand total of 14,400 lumens, equivalent to around 9 of the brightest normal light bulbs you can find. Mattress topper. $25.100 on Amazon. Not sure which brand I have, but it seems pretty basic. Zinus 3-inch swirl gel cooling memory foam mattress topper, cooling, airflow design, 30 pure US certified, twin. After spending a night on a pile of leaves in the rain without a sleeping bag, pillow Or tent, thanks to requirement 8 of the Wilderness Survival Merit Badge, I've decided to retire to a life of luxury. Seriously though, it makes my bed at least twice as comfortable. Part 2, Consumables and Nutrition. Doctor's Best Multivitamin. Product summary: there are good theoretical reasons not to think the null results from multivitamin RCTs apply to all products, for all end results, and to all people. Also, most multivitamins are shit bad and this one isn't. $27 $27 for month supply of 90 capsules. I don't take the full 3 capsules slash day though. I know what you're thinking. God I always spend too much time making these shitty mediocre graphics in word. As just one example, this Healthline article spells out the consensus expert opinion. A few points in response. Perhaps most importantly, most multivitamins are pretty bad. I elaborate on this below. Maybe that's why all the top hits on Amazon refuse to show their actual supplement facts in the product description. I don't have any super rigorous evidence for this. Rather, it seems like the majority are just checking the boxes of providing 100% of the FDA's RDA of like 10 or 20 nutrients without giving any attention to bioavailability, insufficiency rates, or other factors. Causal inference is really hard.4. Randomized controlled trials are one of the few types of study that can reliably produce knowledge as a standalone piece of evidence, and it looks like there are only a few RCTs of multivitamins, on a variety of health-related measures, and most or all are at least a decade old. Nutrition as a field, and to a lesser extent medicine and epidemiology more broadly, has a spotty track record, to say the least. We're basically certain that micronutrient deficiencies can be bad for well-being in a number of ways. Scurvy is the trivial example and would be very odd if you had to have a scurvy or rickets etc level of deficiency to be losing some degree of well-being in other words we should expect mild deficiencies or insufficiencies to be a thing modern western diets are pretty shitty and devoid of at least some important micronutrients deplin which is fda approved as an antidepressant adjunct is just l-methylfolate.5 this seems like proof of concept that micronutrient supplementation can have measurable emotional or cognitive effects even in well-nourished western adults For men in particular, there seems to be decent causal evidence that zinc and boron supplementation increase testosterone. The hormone has a weirdly negative reputation, but if nothing else, it seems to be somehow important for cognition. Prima facie, it seems like supplementing water soluble vitamins, those besides A, D, and K, even at pretty high doses, shouldn't be harmful because the body can easily get rid of extra. It's worth being more careful with doses for minerals and those three fat soluble vitamins a case study and poor quality. The first example I could easily find was Centrum's general adult multivitamin. Here's the nutrient label. Diving into why this isn't a great product could be a whole blog post on its own, but a few points to note. Dietary inadequacy rates varies a lot by nutrient. Basically everyone in the US gets enough niacin, for example, but few of consume enough vitamin K. Why, then would the Centrum supplement include just 21% of the RDA of the latter? Yes, vitamin K toxicity is a thing that exists, but one standard serving of broccoli has 8x the amount included here, the drug they give people for vitamin K deficiency has 200x the amount, and a human being literally would not be able to overdose with this product because they'd die from iodine poisoning, if not something else, first. And if you're going to include minerals at all, why 12% of the magnesium RDA? Micronutrient absorption rates vary a lot by form, for some of them at least. Calcium carbonate? Not great. Magnesium oxide? May as well take an empty pill capsule. It virtually can't be absorbed by the body. Vitamin A is beta-carotene, the kind found in vegetables? This one isn't as clear, but arguably inferior to retinol, the kind found in animal products. And, as you can guess, the Centrum multivitamin contains these three inferior, and presumably cheaper, vitamin and mineral forms. Anyway, I think there's good reason to believe that a high-quality multivitamin with bioavailable forms of vitamins and minerals that you suspect you might not get enough of from food and or care particularly about is in expectation sufficiently beneficial enough to justify the financial cost and any associated risks. To be honest, I settled on this particular product a while ago and don't remember exactly why I did, but I stand by my choice. The doses make sense, the bioavailability is good, and it checks a few boxes I particularly care about. Choline bitartrate Product summary, most people who don't eat eggs probably aren't eating enough choline for optimal cognition or general health. Also acetylcholine is really important, and dietary choline is its precursor. $20 for 100-day supply of tilde 50% of the RDA. Choline doesn't often get discussed as a nutrient potentially worth supplementing. And that's probably because most westerners eat eggs and, to a lesser extent, red meat. Two eggs and a modest hamburger patty will get you tilde 320 milligrams, or 58% of the 550 mg adult male RDA at a cost of 350 calories. And of course, most of us don't need to consume need the full RDA to be basically fine. Source. Cool. The only problem is that both I and I bet a good chunk of those reading this don't or only rarely eat eggs for ethical reasons. Long story short, adults who eat neither eggs nor a whole lot of meat or a shit ton of cruciferous veggies probably aren't getting anywhere close to that semi-arbitrary but not meaningless 550mg threshold. But the second, more interesting half of the story is that choline is a direct precursor of acetylcholine, a neurotransmitter super important for focus, concentration, and memory. So it's unsurprising that drugs that prevent the breakdown of acetylcholine seem to improve Alzheimer's symptoms. Putting it all together, I think there's a pretty good chance that those who aren't hitting, say, two-thirds of the choline RDA, tilde 367 mg for men, tilde 283 mg for women, and value even marginal cognitive improvements should consider adding to their dietary intake. Bonus unhinged speculation. As the term nicotinic acetylcholine receptor suggests, nicotine and acetylcholine activate the same receptor, yes, that one, in the brain. It seems pretty clear that people with clinically low acetylcholine activity, namely, Alzheimer's patients, find nicotine especially pro-cognitive and generally helpful. I have the extremely dubious hypothesis that this correlation might hold even among basically healthy people. In other words, that is, the subjective potency of nicotine might be inversely related to acetylcholine activity even among young, healthy, functional people. My evidence? Besides the fact that it makes theoretical sense, I seem to have an unusually weak response to nicotine, as the quit-smoking gum, which seems pretty benign, and I'm also the only person I know who supplements choline. But I admit this reasoning falls a little short of in terms of epistemic rigor. So if nicotine really improves your focus and energy, and you think I might be on to something here, consider whether you could use a bit more choline. Almost isolated DHA and EPA product summary. Lots of people supplement omega-3 fats without considering the relative quantities of its two main subtypes, DHA and EPA. It turns out these do pretty different things in the body, so it might be best regard them as different nutrients and test blends that are heavy in just one and then in the other. The hyper-simplified summary is that EPA is probably better for mood whereas DHA might be better for cognition. DHA rich product, $0.51 G Omega 3, $28.79 for the bottle shown. EPA rich product, $0.44 slash G Omega 3, $41.99 for the bottle shown. Also, I know many of those reading this don't eat fish. If you aren't convinced by the moral legitimacy of offsetting donations i described below, you should know that. There are plenty of vegan DHA alternatives on the market, like this. These are significantly more expensive, tilde 5x or more, per milligram. For some reason vegan EPA heavy formulae are hard to find. In fact, I can't find a single one, though I haven't, looked that hard. I go into more detail, including on the physiology of vegan omega-3s, a few paragraphs down in the bonus content section below. Moral indulgences for sale. I generally try to write things that, if anything, make farmed animals' lives better rather than worse. This time I'm shaking things up by recommending products whose manufacture and purchase likely cause the intense suffering of fish. That's the bad news. The good news is that moral offsetting 6 is a, legit, emo, thing, so you can have your fish and eat them too by donating to the Fish Welfare Initiative, explicitly in need of funding as a publication, and or Humane Slaughter Association.7. Back to the products. You may be familiar with omega-3 fatty acids, commonly sold in supplement form as fish oil. I think you should at least consider supplementation if you're not eating a paleo-ish diet that includes fatty fish, and willing to spend a bit of money and effort to improve mood, productivity, or cognition. Over the last decade or so, it's become clear that the two main subtypes of omega-3, icosapeninoic acid, EPA, and docosahexaenoic acid, DHA, definitely do different things at the cellular level and maybe have different effects on cognition and mental health. Although billions of dollars of fish oil supplements are sold each year it seems that only a small handful of studies and a slightly larger handful of random very online nerds, mostly on our nootropics, actually try to compare the differential physiological and subjective effects of DHA and EPA supplementation. Well, I'm one of those nerds, and my hyper anecdotal impression is that they do indeed feel somewhat different upon ingestion. So, if you're going to try supplementing omega-3s, I think it makes a lot of sense to try DHA dominant and EPA dominant formulae separately so as to see which, if either, you prefer. Read the next section for a bit more comparative info, but the summary is this there's good evidence that EPA is better than at improving mood, and some evidence that DHA is better at improving cognition, and may even acutely worsen mood. Read on, nerds. Diving into this could be a whole post on its own, but my basic understanding of the situation is this EPA and high EPA fish oil. Reduces inflammation at the cellular level, has a robust and antidepressant effect. Probably mainly affects the brain indirectly by mediating inflammation. Seems less pro-cognitive than DHA, at least for those without high baseline levels of cellular inflammation, though I'm far from certain about this. DHA and high DHA fish oil. Major physical component of nervous tissue. Does not have an antidepressant effect. Low levels may worsen cognition, and supplementation may improve at least some types of cognition, see here. More directly affects the brain through a number of different mechanisms outlined here. Might acutely induce depressive symptoms by elevating levels of acetylcholine in the brain. As far as I can tell, this is just Reddit folk wisdom rather than real science. Bonus content for the EA Forum. Which I've left in because, like, why not? EA might be the single community with the highest concentration of vegan/slash vegetarians that care a ton about cognition and productivity. So, if you're vegan, or almost vegan, you really need to supplement both EPA and DHA, but especially the latter. I know that plants like flaxseed and hemp contain technically contain omega-3 in the form of alpha-linolenic acid, ALA, but I'm here to tell you that the vegan hostile health gurus happen to be right this time. Unless you are subsisting entirely on flaxseed oil, the tiny ala DHA conversion rate isn't going to cut it. There are plenty of vegan omega-3 supplements on the market, but my guess is that it makes more sense to buy fish oil, Which is around one fifth the cost per milligram, and donate some portion of the savings to an org like FWI. Don't be fooled by the price of a bottle, the cost difference is often obscured by the the very small doses per serving in vegan supplements. For instance, this vegan brand and the DHA brand mentioned above have a similar price per serving, but the latter contains more than six times the amount of omega 3s in each dose. Last thing this used to be a gif of a roller coaster ride coming to the end but I think it was crashing the forum editor so here's a lame screenshot. Please do your due diligence before buying any of these products, especially those you're meant to ingest. I'm just some guy. Trust me on the corn bulbs, though.